He ngā mana e ngā reo at naumai haramai ki te ahika. Listening to the people and getting them to tell their story is how one could sum up the RNZ series Spectrum. In 1989, Alwyn Owen visited Te Araroa on the east coast. It had been a year since Cyclone Bowler ravaged the coastline. At the time of Alwyn's visit, there had been large rates of unemployment. Some of the locals participated in the access training schemes of the time. To get a sense of place and people, he takes in a local rugby match. He's with the tea ladies preparing the kai. He talks to a couple of pig hunters heading out into the bush at night time and meets the slightly unorthodox doctor. Yeah, we have to treat the gout and people here, there's one thing, that the one sort of pill they will take is the gout pill. And uh, if I go to the pub for a, a beer, you know, I get hit up every five minutes for gout pills, so I always carry gout pills in my pocket. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. After 44 years, the final Spectrum will be broadcast on July 24. Tiahika has gone into the Spectrum vault, and as a tribute to the show, stories produced by Alwyn Owen and Jack Perkins will feature over the next two weeks. Jack Perkins visits Te Whakarewarewa in Rotorua and talks to the late Guide Bubbles, and Alwyn Owen talks about korowai making with Dame Rangimaria Hitet and her daughter Digeris Te Kanawa. But tonight, recorded in 1989, Alwyn Owen is on the East Coast. Welcome to Te Araroa, on the North Island's East Coast. A small town, well, a township rather, nestling under the protective escarpment of Fetumataroa. Like many isolated townships in rural areas, it has its problems. The economic downturn, unemployment, 65% would you believe, and what it sees as government neglect. And again, like its sister settlements, it has a rather sad export industry, its people. And yet, in many ways, the people of Te Araroa consider themselves rich. This is one area where we certainly are wealthy, in, in my view. We have a number of marae here that service our needs in terms of uh, our social needs, our spiritual needs, and our, our communal needs. The marae does provide the basis for this, and I believe that because of the wealth that's available in terms of the marae, our komatua and other resource people uh, in our community, that aspect would have the most influential uh, determine, determining for our young people. Anuru Painga, skip to his friends, local headmaster. And here's his predecessor, Bob McConnell. I like Te Araroa. I like the people here. I don't think I could live anywhere else now after, after all these years. It's pretty good. Europeans like Bob are in the minority at Te Araroa. It's a Māori settlement, and as Skip Painga indicates, its Māoriness is its strength. It brings not only a spiritual cohesiveness, but a resilience, an ability to cope. Hard times have come before, and they'll doubtless come again. However, this isn't an analysis of life in Te Araroa. Rather, it's a series of impressions from just a few of the people who live there. People like Bob McConnell, standing in the main street, Rata Street, and looking up at the escarpment that dominates the township. This hill up here, really, I, sh I always like to think it has an influence on the town. This is Fetumatarau. 
and uh, which means star with many points. Uh, the the name was supposed to be have an appendage my tafiti, which means brought from afar. Now the old name for Tiaroro was Kawakawa, my tafiti. A lot of Maori names around here have my tafiti after them, meaning brought from afar. Names came from with, with Maoris coming from from far distant places, but. Uh, uh, Fetumatare was a, a refuge pa during the raids of the North Auckland Māori Ngāpuhi in the, about 100 and, 160 years ago. And uh, everybody, Fetumatare is, is their sort of symbol for Te Aroro. Anyone uh, coming, they look out for that hill, they know their home, you know, it's sort of symbolic of the place. And it's, of course, it's... Um, uh, when the Ngāpuhi came here, they had muskets and things, and the people here didn't. And there was a fair bit of slaughter, and a good many were taken prisoner up north. Funnily enough, they came back from north years later as Christians and Christianised the Ngāti Pro and taught these people quite a few things they'd learnt from the missionaries in the north, like building houses of timber instead of houses of, of rope or and that sort of thing. But uh, a, me- a good many people here. Well, everybody here, as they say, had some ancestor who was there on that, on that mountain when the Ngāpuhi raided and probably lost someone who was either captured or killed during those raids. But uh, it still sort of hangs over the town in a rather pleasant way. That chap over there is wearing the coast uniform. And what do you mean by the coast uniform? The swan dry. I think every male in Te Araroa has a swan dry. I have one myself. I didn't realise they were so comfortable until I bought one. They're really marvellous. But uh, a good many women in Te Araroa have a swan dry too. They don't look uh, very becoming on someone who's had a fair job getting into them. But they're a great practical thing. They really are. I think it's the uniform of the whole coast too. The swan dry is so easy and uh, and warm. A lot of the vehicles I see around here have seen better days. <laughs> that particular driver, when you meet him on the road to East Cape, you move off the road. He has uh, he's inclined to look straight ahead and uh, not. Uh, move left or right for anybody. The two or three drivers on the East Cape Road that are a little bit like that, the East Cape Road's not very busy, it's also fairly narrow. <laughs> you have to sort of know who's coming. He's, he's a respected person, a hard-working man, but uh, everybody knows his, his driving. I've heard that around the East Coast there are quite a few cars which aren't registered, but the the local authorities tend to turn a blind eye as long as they're not uh, taken out of the district to any extent. Yes, I, I heard a story recently, just the other day, of someone whose car went to a panel beater in Gisborne. And the panel beater used the car to drive in, into Gisborne and was caught by a traffic cop. <laughs> and the, the local owner of the car was most upset because he, on his bill for the panel beating, there was a bill for four new tyres because the traffic cop would, wouldn't let them uh, 
go any further on the bald tyres. <laughs> well, quite literally, at the moment, we have two dogs in the street and, uh, and one man. That's right. And people usually know whose dogs they are. There's some old-timers here. There's one called Twinkle. Twinkle lives along, along the road there, and she's very grey-haired and, and quite ancient. She's, she's survived, I think, quite a few bumps from cars and things, and, and Twinkle now, when you go past her home, still runs out, but not nearly so vigorously as she did years ago, but everybody knows Twinkle. She, she's around the street here quite often. Are there any little incidents you can recall that typify the settlement here in your mind? Just a couple of years ago, we had some visitors and they, they were down here and when they went back after getting something in the dairy there, they said, where else would you see a pig in the main street? And then uh, a lady coming down the street with one jandal on and a barefoot. <laughs> We've just seen a car pull up here at what seems to be the, the only petrol pump in town. It stands here outside a boarded up garage. Everything is boarded up with corrugated iron. It's just a pump standing on its own. <laughs> well, there is one further down the street, you know, around the corner. Oh, there is. So yes. you've got two, have you? There are two, and, and there used to be one over there, and I think there are still tanks under the ground over there. For all, the, all we know, there could be an underground population here. This <laughs> So this is operated from the house across the, uh, this from is the shop. Across operated there. by across the. I don't know what the situation is there. What's been the economic basis of the settlement here? Well, I suppose in the in the early times it was it was uh, farming. There was a bit of timber, and uh, it's been farming more or less um, most of the time, but. When they started forestry, that was going to be the, the saving miracle for the place. And it did employ between 40 and 50 men. And then with the corporatisation, bang, nearly all those 40 to 50 men became unemployed. And that was the biggest letdown that the communities had. And, and, and they still haven't recovered from the shock. There's a sort of a... Uh, a suspicion, almost. I feel suspicious of any of anything that when anyone says, "Oh, so and so is going to happen," and all this sort of thing, you you, you become very cynical. And nothing, nothing more, nothing needed more than trees. Bowler taught us that last year that that uh, planting of trees just must go on. See the filth of the sea there. It's, it's how, how dirty all the water is now. That's that's that's. If if uh, if you went to the river, you'd see it's it hasn't flowed clean since Bowler, and slips up country, and they're just just being drained into into the river all the time, and, and it's just been that way. It's that river's never been clear since Bowler. Of course, the centre of the community. Really, I suppose uh, people would like to say, "Is the marae at the end, the end of the town?" That is where things happen. You know, that's where everybody comes for their for their celebrations and their big occasions. Are all at the marae, and, and uh, that's where you see the community united is there. Of course, 
on Saturdays, it's the, it's the, it's the football field that is the centre of the community. Four bucks, mate. Eight nil to combine, huh? Oh, it's rugby mad country. Rugby mad country? How are the local boys? Oh, they're the best. I hope they'll, they'll, they'll do it for us. What do you reckon about the French game later on? Aha. And that's a whole New Zealand affair. Who's your money on uh, for that? Did you ask? Did you ask? How <laughs> <laughs> much? get a better. We can't get anyone to take a bet. <laughs> no one backing the Frenchman up this way. We're having early games for the test. Get ready for the test. So you're running the games early today, eh? Yeah. In 12 o'clock. Mm. First one starts. Who's playing at the moment? Hikurangi and Combined. So Combined is Tauraroa yeah, and Hikurangi is Ruatoria. Well, how's the score at the moment? 8 0 to combine. Well, you won't be grumbling at that, will you? Yeah. Can't grumble. But Tukarang is going to win the competition. Stabs. As they will always stand, even if I have to go and play myself. Now, what was that? That was a um, penalty to combine. And that Eleven-three to combine. That's the home team. Is this a regular Sunday occupation for uh, you girls? Oh, yes. What you hear? Oh, yes. uh -huh. <laughs> Just sitting here in the sun and a quiet drink and uh, watching mm -hmm. the rugby. Yes. And hoping black will win today. points are here because we belong to another club. <laughs> But we've got no games today, so we've just got to buy. So. so what after this? Back to watch the test on telly? No, it's another game after this. Um, Hicks Bay's playing from oh. up, uh, over the hill. Yeah. And then back to watch the test. Who are you barracking for then? Hiku! Oh, the visitors? Yes. Ah, you've come up with them, have you? No, they beat us last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should they be better win today. <laughs> you should be barracking for combined then. No, 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 no. we've got to beat them. Well, they're well stacked up here in the kitchen. You've got a good feeling. We've got, yeah, canteen. We need some money, you see, to put up our showers and toilets. You're extending the place, yeah. are you? We've been, we've been lucky, we've had three games here and one away, yeah, two mm. away. And uh, what car are you offering the customers today? Well, they've, they've got cups of teas there, and we've got cream powers, we've got, um, what else have we got? Boo-boos. Seen these? Have you seen these? Boo-boos? Yes, yes, they're the little round black shellfish, aren't yeah. they? Yes. Yeah. Go well with the travel of people that come in, you see. The crowd come in today? Oh, should be, because there's... Is Hicks Bay playing here? Yeah. So there's what? Yeah, two visiting teams, Tolaga Bay, Rotoria, Hicks Bay, and one local team. And they told me rugby is very much a religion on the coast here. Well, there's nothing else. Yeah, nothing else. No need for. See, this clubhouse, this, this, um, when the men were put off the forestry, they um, bought an old house up the road. How much did you pay for this car? Three hundred dollars. Well, you can't run with that, can you? Yeah, and all, all, the, all the men, the, the club members, players, got together to 
put it Of course, you had a bad, uh, bad knock when forestry went, didn't you? Yes, we in the did. Community. Mm. It's not a community that's uh, sitting down and crying by any means, is it? Oh, heck no. Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's too much going here. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to make your own fun, eh? You've got to make your own work, too, if you're not on one of the access schemes or involved in a trust program. There's very little else. Well, maybe that's not quite correct, because the East Coast is one of the few areas left in this country where you can practice something very close to subsistence living. There's fish in the sea, you can turn over a bit of ground, maybe even plant a cash crop, and I won't go into details. And there are the resources of the bush. So you can sit back and collect the unemployment benefit if that's all you want to do, or you can find something more strenuous as Jimmy Kuraragi and Heroini Reid are doing. Well, you're saddling up the horses at the moment. Um, where are you off to? Oh, just going for a hunt, you pig hunt. Quite a few pigs around here, then. Oh, you, you get your fish here, mm -hmm. if you're willing to go out and have a look. Well, what have you got in the way of dogs here? Oh, bull terrier, mastiffs, lep. All different sort of pig dogs, yes. Different breeds we use for pig dogs. So how far will you have to actually uh, go today to get into pigs, do you reckon? Oh, about a 10 hour ride all around. By the time we leave here and get back, 10 hour. Yeah. Five hours here, five back. Yes, yes, yeah. about that. We'll go, we actually go out in the moonlight mainly now this time of the month when the moon is out. We do it in the night time when the pigs usually come out. Well, you've got uh, pretty close to a full moon at the moment, yes, haven't you? Yes, mm. very close to full moon. Mm. Well, pig hunting at night, I haven't heard of. Oh, it's, it's uh, well, in the moonlight, as you know, it's just as bright as, as, at times it's almost as bright as it is now, you know, today. And the pigs all come out, they always come out at night, mainly out at night. Even so, if you get a pig in a gully and the, the dogs are on to him, it'd be fairly hard to see what you're doing with a knife, wouldn't it? Um, well, once the dogs latch onto the pig, it's not all that hard. <laughs> not much you can do about it. <laughs> uh, just go in with your knife and stick him and put him on the horse, carry him to the horse and you're away. Are you guys um, working or are you part of the 65% unemployment I hear about around Te Araroa here? That is our work. That is your work. So how much time would you put into uh, pig hunting? Oh, a lot of hours, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week depends on the on the weather. As much as that? Yes. What about the meat you bring back then? Oh, is, is that sold commercially or...? Uh... Some are sold commercially and some is um, we just swap it around, swap it for a bit of fish and, mm. yeah, just swap tucker around. And what happens if you... Uh... <laughs> come across a garden in the bush, you leave it alone, I believe, is the... Uh, well, our policy <laughs> is not to touch anything that doesn't belong to us. Mm, so, mm. That, that, that way there you can't get into trouble. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't touch anything that doesn't belong to you, you shouldn't have any worries. Whoa, whoa. Mm. Whoa, whoa. How are people coping around Tauraroa here with the, you know, general downturn and employment and that sort of thing? Um... Well, with, with these schemes that have come in, me personally, uh, I think that um, it's it's actually lifted uh, it's lifted the township, Tauraroa, actually lifted the whole of the East Coast because um, 
people, like a lot of these schemes are done as an apprenticeship. They like an apprenticeship. Now, to get into an apprenticeship today, if you're in the cities, well, I don't know so much about the cities now, but with this new scheme that's come out, it's quite a good thing because um, you don't need school certificate or university entrance to, um, if you've got the will to learn, you will learn and be just as good as a man with school C and um, university entrance. If you want to learn a trade, you will learn it. This guy's got a good jaw on him, looks as if he'd hang onto a pig. Many get away from here. Well, we're going to uh, milk the goat, are we, Sam? Yeah, that's right. Or yeah. rather, you are. Yeah, well, I can give you a go if you like. I'll just get the uh, the buckets. Now, this is Sam Costa, the local GP, off to do the milking. Not the sort of chore your city doctor would have on his hands, but it's just a part of life in Tearoroa. Come to that, Sam is surrounded by animals a black Labrador bitch with seven pups, a part Labrador dog a couple of horses, a few calves, and his next-door neighbour runs a pig or two. Sam has slotted easily into the life of the community. He likes the bush, enjoys hunting and shooting, and milking Grot, the goat, is simply something he takes in his stride. That's a common sight, I take it, down the main street there, is it? Uh, a chap on a horse there? Oh, the horse, the petrol bowser, yes. Yeah. Oh, horses, horses are a part of life here, and... Uh, we, uh, you know, they're an essential part of transport. I mean, I've got patients that I can't go and visit without going on a horse. Um, so if you can't ride a horse, you, you're pretty stuck. But the is horse that right? is as isolated as that. Oh, just in in uh, in certain situations, you know, people who live across the other side of a river and the and the bridge got washed out 20 years ago and nobody's bothered to replace it. So uh, it's easier to get across on a on a horse than it is to find a tractor or a, or a four-wheel drive. But so I've got. I've got four-wheel drives that I can uh, I can use if I have to, but um, uh, we've only got uh, two horses of our own at the moment. Um, but uh, I can't claim them against tax, unfortunately. <laughs> Come on, go, 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 go! Come on, Grot. Yeah. Ooh, here Grot, she is. did you say? Grot. Yeah. My wife named her. She forever getting into her garden and demolishing everything. Goats are no respecters of fences. She gets up on her little stand here. If I can stop her from fighting, we get the maze. Get up, hey, come on. Get up on the get up on the stand. Get up. Come on, get up. Yeah. They've only got two teats and uh, it only takes two minutes to <laughs> half to the time. Them. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and it's very simple. Simple process to milk her. Just with two tits and you away you go. What are some of the differences, um, as far as medical cases are concerned, between practice here and in the city? Oh, I think you find here, I mean, the uh, doctors I've spoken to outside find it quite incredible the amount of gout pills I use. I mean, uh, I get them sent in by the truckload. There's, there's, there's so much gout, it's not true. And uh, that's that's uh, a part of the... the the thing of being Maori, really, uh, it's it's a common disease amongst Maori, and uh, uh, you know we have to treat the gout. And people here, there's one thing that the one sort of pill they will take is the gout pill. And uh, if I go to the pub for a, a beer, you know, I get hit up every five minutes for gout pills, so I always carry gout pills in my pocket. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. But um, oh no, apart from apart from the the obvious uh, 
racial differences in that respect. Um, uh, there's no much difference. Uh, you don't find many very, very old people here because uh, they don't live very long. Um, and that's uh, not a reflection on uh, on uh, being Maori. It's just a reflection on the lifestyle. It's it's a very hard lifestyle. Uh, they're hard living, hard drinking, hard smoking, and uh, they get the diseases which go along with that. Um, but that's no different from any other community uh, of a similar um, sort anywhere else in the world. I think. I uh, quite uh, light-heartedly did a bit of a survey on the on the smoking habits of the locals and uh, went round and collected all the figures from all the shops on how, much, how many cigarettes they sold in a month. Uh, there's only a thousand people in my area and uh, in one month they spent $30,000 on, uh, on cigarettes. So uh, we must be one of the, uh, one of the communities in the, in the country that burn more money than, uh, than most. Traditional Māori medicine and tohungarism, is, is that uh, a facet of life here still? Oh, very much so. It's, it's, uh, it's very strong in that the people will often uh, uh, treat themselves very successfully. Um, they'll go to, go to the uh, tohunga and uh, consult uh, with the tohunga and uh, the tohunga and I have a very good relationship, a reciprocal relationship in that uh, if I exhaust all my uh, armature of, uh, of abilities and uh, I can't get any further, I refer the patient to uh, the tohunga, and vice versa. The tohunga is quite uh, adept at uh, diagnosing things which are better treated in the Pākehā or uh, uh, medical world, and it works quite well. It's a very real thing. Um, it matters an awful lot. I'm not saying that I would necessarily consult a tohunga for my uh, ailments, but if... Uh, if such is your belief, then it's very important, I think, that uh, Western medicine is uh, able to, to cope with that uh, facet of, of life. And you've had patients then who you've turned over to a, a tohunga because it's a Maori situation, yeah. and the, the tohunga has cured them. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it's, uh, it often, it's, it's interesting sometimes that with the younger people, it's, it takes, um, they come to me and it takes uh, a lot for them to go and see the tohunga because it's it's been bred out of them or it's been uh, knocked out of them by the Pākehā system and uh, it takes me to sort of mention it perhaps it's a good idea you go and see the tohunga and uh, the next thing you know they've, they've been down the road and seen the tohunga and uh, they're as happy uh, and cured and uh, away they go so I, you know I'm quite happy to refer patients to uh, the tohunga and I get very good results from that. Te Araroa is noted in the record books for having the largest pohutakawa tree in New Zealand. It's adjacent to the local school, and the school itself is notable. Bilingual from Go to Hoa, with Skip Pyinga's philosophy of tutangata, standing tall in Māori identity and culture, what Fina Cooper calls pride of race. And it's working, says Skip. We have seen the results in a physical sense, in terms of our observations of the kids within the school grounds, the fact that they are conducting themselves in terms of holding their heads up and being able to have confidence and being articulate to communicate with people. This has been a significant difference that I've observed in our kids within the last three or four years. Uh, prior to that, we, we, you know, there was, there seemed to be a tendency of kids to 
sort of look down at the ground, to be embarrassed, to hide around the corners, uh, to run away from the teachers, and just to feel inferior and inadequate within this institution. Now, we would like to think that the school is their home, and I think that if we can promote this, I think that education looks to be in good stead, and it looks very exciting for the future. The last word from Bob McConnell. One person's joy is everybody's joy. Now, just a few weeks ago, uh, I feel sorry for them too, but there's a group of people here had a win in, in Lotto. And, of course, a win in Lotto is a big event anywhere. But this win in Lotto, there were so many wins in, in it all over New Zealand, so many people won that they got one of the lowest things that ever happened. And I wondered, was that just Charles' bad luck or what? But everybody was thrilled for them. And uh, uh, I think everybody was pretty sorry that they hadn't got a decent bit out of it. I think they ended up with about ten or $11,000, which was something. But, but uh, most lotto winners would expect to get much more than that. But everybody was pleased for them. And the same if, if, if there's a death in any family. Uh, you go to the funeral, it's sort of a duty. You go to every funeral that's on here, every tongue. You must pay your respects or be seen. It's to be seen is the thing. That way, it's a great community. It's, it's one. That was Te Araroa. Some of the people of the East Coast settlement voiced their impressions of life in the township. I'm Alwyn Owen, and that was a Spectrum documentary. Mm -hmm.